My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Welcome to the next episode with All American Wing Shooting Podcast. Today is a super special guest. If you've been in the Upland wing shooting world, I am certain that you have met her. Patricia Kaiser has been a friend of mine for a very long time, and she is a female powerhouse in getting women and youth in the outdoors. Hi, Patricia. Hello, Anna. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to see you. It has been, oh my gosh, probably a year where we've actually seen each other in live space versus just liking each other's posts on social media. Sure thing. So what is going on? You guys, I saw you guys packed up in Houston. You moved out to the country. The dogs have more space. There's like everything has changed. Kids yeah, we, up. yeah, uh, you know, re-graduated. We sold our house there in uh, the Richmond area, which is around Houston. And we moved out to help my mom at her ranch. And now we're currently in Fredericksburg because that's where we're going to build our house. But since the, I guess it was June of last year is when we made our big transition. We like to say we're homeless. Oh, well, <laughs> you guys are definitely gypsies. And I, okay, so Patricia's husband, if you're not familiar with them, is Richard. And I just had Kai Larson on recently. Um, his, his episode got posted this past week. And we talked about my first trip out West was to Kai's kennel. It's like my first time to Kansas and Richard and, um, and your son were there. And I had a video photographer with me and we were just going to be like, okay, what are we supposed to do with this bird dog? She's about all my ever last nerve. She's gone through a little bit of training, but then, you know, there's that gap of like, Who's going to teach me how to handle my dog and shoot in the field and all this stuff? And I had met Kai through um, a short hair Facebook group. And there's a bunch of us that are about the same age that was just crazy about our dogs. And they were like the number one priority in our life. And he's like, well, come on out here and just run dogs with us for a few days. And Richard was there. And we ended up with so many like inside jokes and stuff. And all he ever said was, when you meet my wife, you are going to be best friends. And, and I was like, <laughs> I can't wait. And then lo and behold, we got to serve together with Quill Forever for a really long time. And I just, those are such special memories. Yeah, it was cool. He came back and said, you have to meet this girl, Anna. And she had this photographer with her and blah, blah, blah. And, and then I guess we met, I guess there during Pheasant Fest and Quill Forever. The, yeah. The, yeah, Pheasant Fest, well, Quill Classic. But yeah, we, we've been, we've done a lot of hunting since then for sure. We have, I know. and you guys do couples things. And I think that is so important that you and Richard have tag teamed everything from parenting in the outdoors and raising Reed in the outdoors and serving in the outdoors, fundraising in the outdoors. And now you guys are guiding all over yeah. the country. It's so crazy. <laughs> Yeah, we have we have a bit very been blessed. Obviously, Richard said I'm going to get some bird dogs, and I, the, our first bird dog was from Kyle Larson, uh, 
uh, hunt them up kennels. And I'm like, you're crazy. And then there's the second dog, Tiny. First one was Gage. Then it was Tiny. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? And, of course, we already had our English Cocker Gunner. Mm-hmm. Um, which he was just a natural. And then we got, Lord, we got, I think we picked up some stray GSP named Rip. Yep. And then, <laughs> then we got Purdy and then we got Barrett, which is another English cocker. And then our friend, Jason and Monica, you know, they have two yeah. English setters that we, um, kennel for them. And then we just, um, received a dog, um, a Drothar, from our friend Joe um, in Wisconsin, um, he was he was he's a good dog, and Joe passed him on to us, and so now that's Reed's supposedly duck dog. So, oh, we, I love that! I didn't know Reed a, was into duck hunting. Yeah, yeah, Reed was he's a real big duck hunter, and I love duck hunting too. But Richard doesn't quite like getting up that early to duck hunt, and he says it's too damn cold. <laughs> And, you know, as if anybody knows anything about upland bird hunting, you can kind of go whenever you want, wake up. <laughs> yeah. And especially in South Dakota, like you can't start before 10. So yeah. you can yeah. stay up all night, and not have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we've got a kennel full of dogs and, you know, we do a little guiding down south, um, uh, more plantation type hunting, I guess, um, put out birds, but our dogs love it. They kind of do that when um, we're not hunting up north. Um, and um, we had a whirlwind of hunting, I guess, started in September of last year, and we just can't wait to do it again. And if you want me to go through everything we did from September through April, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It is. And so you guys have your big motor home with the big slide outs and then you pull, is it a Bronco? Uh, well, yeah, well, we, we got rid of that little guy. It didn't have, it, we got it from Costa Rica. Actually it was, it's a land cruiser. 1976. Land cruiser, yes. Yeah. It was super cool. Land cruiser 76. It didn't have any Freon when we purchased it. It had water because it came from Costa Rica. <laughs> so, uh, or coolant, not Freon coolant. And, uh, so it was a little, it was a little harder. It was a diesel. So it was a little harder to start up in the cold weather. And Richard was like, I'm getting rid of it. So yeah, we've, tow Richard's Chevy pickup truck and then the dog trailer behind it and we've had different combinations of lots of things we pull behind that RV I know you guys are a sight to be seen going down the highway (laughs) it's pretty fun um we can really stop anywhere hunt anywhere go anywhere you just dry camp or you know RV camp whatever find the birds um this during well i'm going to just start let me do you yeah, want me to just start tell later? us all yeah. about it yeah so september of last year um us I, we did a we have a ladies um group that goes to montana um and we just do like a fun girl thing but this that year we actually uh got a chance to do that i'm so bad at this um i guess float float what is it called? Float like trout fish. So when you yeah. float and you trout fish, I, I, I'm yes. so bad at it. But anyway, first time caught some browns and some rainbow trout. It was super cool. Um, and then, of course, we came back that uh, mid or September. And of course, down here, um, dove hunting is huge. So white wings and morning doves. So we do, you know, a big group of us. It's kind of just a 
shooting, beer drinking type of sit down and shoot a bunch of doves and then cook them up and eat them. Um, and then um, beginning of October, we went up to Kansas and then went um, the prairie chicken hunting on our way to Wisconsin. I never got to do that. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, they're they're first time for us, so we really weren't didn't really know what to look for, uh, other than like it was basically like sharp tail grouse, whatever. They kind of not sharp tail, yeah, yeah, sharp tail. So they stay in a big group. So you just and then you'll one will pop up and then fifty will pop up and it's just it's like popcorn. So you oh. just got to be ready. Um, but um, Richard and I both shot one. We were we were instructed to not shoot as many as we could because we were on somebody's private land. So he asked us just to take one each. So that's what we did. Um, and um, at that time, there's young pheasants. So it's kind of hard to like a female pheasant kind of looks like a, a chicken getting up. And so you have to be real careful on what you know what you're shooting or whatever. Um, and then we went on to Wisconsin and did sharptail grouse, and that was still in the end of October. Um, sharptail grouse and woodcock for two weeks. I know. I talked to Schaefer. Yep. And I just never been able to get that far north with you guys, but your stories of grouse camp have to be the best I've ever heard. They're fun. They're super fun. And the guys that we go with are super fun. And oh, in September, this was our fun, the best thing ever was sage grouse hunting. So we we had gone at sage grouse in September um, to, I guess it was Lewistown, Montana. And we hunted and hunted and hunted and hunted and hunted. And then finally we 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 hit we found a, I guess, I guess they're cubbies. I don't know what they are. They're huge <laughs> birds. And Richard shot one, like dropped it like a pillow. And I was like, well, of course, Richard and I have are notorious for like, if a bird flies, we pull up on the same bird every time. No, And then we're like, <laughs> I shot it. You shot it. I shot it. Of course, we shoot at the same time. And of course, you know, some guys would be like, oh, that's what all girls say. No, that's really what happens in our world. <laughs> and so anyway, when I saw him drop that one like a pillow, I went for the next one and I shot it. I mean, it went down like totally on the ground. And our dog, tiny ran past it because there were so many of them, like they're like popping out of the, the sagebrush. And uh, she, um, I was like, I was about to pull my phone out to take a picture of our tiny English cocker picking up the biggest grouse you've ever seen in your life. And I go, no, 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 let me go to my bird first. Because if they're anything like pheasants, they run. Yeah. yeah. And I'd never hunted them before. And I get to the spot and it's not there. And I didn't see it's sage grouse it's I mean or sagebrush it's kind of open it's not like it's lots of grass or anything oh we couldn't find it we could find the blood and everything because they bleed like crazy and that we pulled out all six dogs to try to find this one bird and it was just just ran off but you could see the blood trail yeah so anyway I did not get my sage grouse but Richard did and uh, he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm like, no, 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 we're not done. <laughs> I've got to go back and shoot one now. But that was, um, I think that was the end of September. And then we did all that stuff in October. Um, and then we went to, oh, South Dakota, pheasants, when pheasants opened. So we did pheasants in October, November. I guess on the way back, we never, sh- have you ever sh- uh, hunted Iowa, in Iowa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we were just driving back and I'm looking at the, you know, the map and going, well, let's see if we can find some public land here in Iowa. Yeah. 
a no shit. We, <laughs> <laughs> we're just, well, first we have to find an RV place and the birds, right? Right. So we pull into this little um, um, community p- park. They had RV sites and at that time, what was it? Almost November, end of October, beginning of November. And there is no, like all RV parks, all they shut the water down because, you know, I guess up north. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be freezing. Yeah. Yeah. It's freezing or whatever. So we pull in, they have electricity. And Richard goes, before we buy a license, why don't we just go check, just drive around and check it out? I said, fair enough. So we get up the next morning, we're driving down this road. I go, well, there's a plot here. There's a plot there, there's a plot there. And, and we're just driving and no joke, right in the ditch, these three pheasants go into this big old field, right? And I'm like, get the license, stop right now. Let's get our license, jump out <laughs> and, you know, walk the field, whatever. So we actually, you know, drove off a little bit further. We kept looking. We turned around. We we got online, but each of us on our phone bought our licenses and then started walking the dogs. And sure enough, we in we shot like two or three there in I mean in the matter of two days, three days there in Iowa. But it was the coolest thing. Just find the birds, or the dogs will find them after you find them, and then you know shoot away. It's kind of cool. It is so cool. You guys are just road tripping. Yeah, yeah, we road tripped for a while, and then I guess we got back here to Texas oh, for God. Christmas. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. We do do that with our family. <laughs> yeah, you came back for Thanksgiving and then regroup. But then you guys went west, didn't you? Didn't you end up in Arizona? Oh, the, okay. So that's what in the past we have, but we usually go in January. But we just could never get there this year. There was so much going on. Um, I don't know what it was. Oh, I, my, I'm one, one, my uncle passed away, but that was one of the many things that happened in January that we just couldn't turn around and get there and then get back. Um, I'm also, um, I'm the whatever, vice chair of the judging contest committee for Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. So I have a fundraising event in February. So there was a lot going on at the end of January to throw that party in February, so I think that's what happened in January. We couldn't and then get to Arizona. Fest is right after that, and then that's right. We rodeoed. We then went to Pheasant Fest, and then um, March, April, April, we had a, a Texas Women on the Wing uh, Women's. Um, this was kind of cool. I thought it was cool. Uh, um, fundraising event, but we took the ladies, or the ladies came out to Providence Plantation. Um, close to Houston, it's in Rocheron, and they um, got to do like a mini five stand. Um, then they did what we call what's called box quail, um, because when you're running that many ladies through, you can't really walk the field and all that stuff. So um, they got to shoot quail, and then the um, uh, guide there, basically the manager there, showed them how to field dress it right there. Um, they field dressed them. They showed them how to pluck them, field dress them and everything. And then we had Holly Hearn, who's a chef down here. And she then prepared quail risotto and it was so good. Oh, so it was kind of a full day of just women. Uh, and there was men there helping us pull targets and stuff, but the women absolutely thought it was the coolest thing they'd ever done. Cause I mean, 
you know, sometimes you shoot a bird at these plantations or whatever, and they bring you back and here's the bird in a plastic bag and you never get to actually experience the whole field dressing of it. And it's, you know, some girls, people, whatever, like, oh, that's gross. Well, it's the way we eat. It's the way you you think like every chicken and every beef, a piece of beef that comes, you know, that you get from the grocery store, like you, they come from somewhere. You have to dress them. You have to, you know, take care of them. You got to, there's some guy at a slaughterhouse taking care of those animals so we can eat. (laughs) Right. That's so great. How many ladies do you think you guys had? Uh, We we had 30 ladies there. Wow. Yeah. So when you do that, do you, well, I mean, you do education about that, but do, um, do all these ladies end up joining your Quill Forever chapter and like start committing to the consistent events? Because you guys do something all the time. Yeah, we, well, three, before COVID, we used to have some major, awesome, cool, fun events. Like yeah. we did, um, we did a wine dining cast a line and it was basically a wine dinner, um, but they learned, we had some instructors come out and teach them how to fly fish. Um and so that was an awesome event. Again, ladies can't, they were like, when are you going to do it again? And then we did it, I guess, the following year. And it was um, bourbon and Bob White. So then we paired um, Garrison Brothers uh, whiskey with the dinner. And um, they, that was, a, a, was like a sporting place shoot. And uh, we really give away some great trophies. You have to see my little trophies are so cute. I love all your trophies <laughs> and your belt buckles. <laughs> but they're like their little quail trophies that the ladies get. And um, and then, of course, COVID hit and nothing happened. So this one, this um, field the table event that we just did was the first of, I guess, after COVID. So we're it's it's been a little slow getting it kick started again, but um, we'll get there. Yeah. Well, you know, I, when I first started, I was doing all the ladies events and the instruction coordinating, um, wing shooting one-on-one and then handling your dog, which you and I, like we've done it for so long. It's almost like now we take for granted how easy we feel it is when that's a really hard skill to conquer keeping your dog in range or (laughs) you know making sure your dog stays on point and getting your shot off on time and just handling all that so I just loved introducing that to women and then the same thing happened COVID hit and it took me on a different route so so I'm just now getting back to it and I think about the events that you've hosted and how well you've brought these women together and that they're genuinely friends and you guys do so much good for Texas and for Quill Forever nationwide. So it's very inspiring to me as I redirect my whole focus and getting women and youth back, you know, as my priority. So I think about all the things that you guys have done and, and the outreach you have, because you're probably the leading lady of women's organization, like women's events and wing shooting. I, I think so. Cool, man. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's, you know, and I always, I I think, and you've probably done it before, but you know, the late first time a lady picks up a shotgun, I'm like, you better hold it tight. You know, you don't, they don't realize, I mean, even as a kid, you know, kids don't realize it. And, you know, Richard, um, um, be the coach of the um, uh, Katie Dusters. And, you know, a lot of, we have this field day where the kids come out and they've never shot before. And it's just trying to get them like started. 
of course you have everyone's guns that you know because you know no one's going to show up with your own gun yeah yeah you know and you find you try to find all the different size guns for all the different size kids and and you know I'm like you put it to your shoulder right here in the pocket and you push it up to your face and you hold that gun super tight when you pull that trigger because yeah it won't hurt but it it's going to, you know, kind of give you that jarring, like, oh, my God, what was that? Yeah. And so it's the same thing with ladies. You know, we just we really try to say, look, it's you don't be scared. It's not going to hurt you. But you, there's, you know, certain steps you have to take to hold on that gun. And I remember when I started, you know, I think I started with my dad's, you know, 12 gauge Remington dove hunting. And I had bruises from my elbow, the start <laughs> of my inside elbow muscle all the way up to my face and Richard's like oh my god I killed you I go no the gun killed me good god it was too long you know it wasn't fitted for me and a properly fit shotgun for anyone is probably the number one thing you can do when you buy a shotgun for a woman or a man you know not straight out of the box if you're five foot zero like me I'm actually 410, but anyway, you know, you can't get a gun straight out of the box, you know? Right. And, and, you know, the, the, I think there's probably about six girls um, that they're like, okay, we're ready to do this. We want to buy a shotgun. And I'm like, okay, so you buy the shotgun and you go to Larry Thielen. This guy's a fitter in, in the, in the Houston area. I said, he will, he will make that gun. All you have to do is pick it up and shoot it. And you'll, you'll shoot a clay out of the sky. You know, he's just, is so good at it. And, you know, and it is, it's, it's an extension of your body and your eyes. So if you right. get that. So your that, eye and your muzzle have to be pointed at the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. If your gun's going to the left and your eyes going to the right, you'll never hit it. But right. he has a way of getting it all lined up. And these girls, you know, they're just like, we love this. And so it's very important, I guess, if you're going to get into any kind of wing shooting that, you know, you know the basics and you just keep trying. I think one of my favorites, I said my favorite stories I love to tell women is like I started shooting, my husband was doing all these sporting clays and he would take me and he would already be on a team. He goes, don't worry, you'll get on a team. And I, I think I shot for five years with like what four or five different men at every tournament. So they were very gracious and they're honey this is what you need to do this is how you need to hit it you're behind it da 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 like over and over I've never had any professional instruction but I learned from I would say almost 500 men different techniques different things different just listening getting better and better and better I think the there was a women's shoot and I used to shoot like 30 out of 100 and then I'd be like, I got this trophy one time for like 32 out of 100. And I was like, I can't accept that. That is horrible. <laughs> but what it did is it encouraged me. It encouraged me to go, oh, okay, if I shoot 50 the next time, maybe I'll win something else. Maybe I shoot 75, maybe I'll win something else. And so I was winning women's trophies at these men's events, not feeling really great about it, but kept doing it and kept doing it and you know I tell these ladies all the time uh, that there was a women's um it's called be an angel shoot I think the first year I was like a b c d e class third place I don't do you even know what that is that's like (laughs) yes but you have to understand too that to to get oh because people that may be listening may not understand how to get your classing you don't get everybody competes against each other. So there's not a ladies 
class and a man's class. So for you to graduate up from E to A, double A master in the sporting clay world, you have to win and collect all these points based on a season to graduate to the next class. So I'm probably like that. I probably got dropped to an E because I quit shooting tournaments. And, but like, I love those, those hunting tournaments. Golly geez. Like to have my dog out there and get to compete with my dog was my (laughs) favorite thing. And you're right. Like winning those trophies, that's fun because forever, when you glance at that trophy that you won, you automatically think about the experience. Well, this was the experience that I tell these ladies. So like, don't ever give up because I, like I said, that one year it was, there was, uh, there was a hundred ladies shooting. And I think I got, like I said, E-class third place. I would like, I think I scored like a 23. Four years later, maybe it was three years later, I came back and won the thing. So it's like, so I I go, do you, and I show my little D class E little trophy. And I'm like, this was kind of embarrassing, but I won it, you know, because I I was shooting and I said, and then to come back and win it like three years later, I mean, that's just like persistence of just shooting, you know, just staying with it. And, and we giggle and I'm like, you know, you just, there's nothing you can't do if you just keep trying you know I love that which you know I'm huge with the mental management aspects of of shooting in general and I think it's the best way to build self-confidence for women and kids there's nothing like shooting sports yeah no matter what kind I mean you know um I we're both wing shooters and that's like our love because you and I both are addicted to the dogs and I don't have six dogs anymore I'm down to three (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um I do have plans of breeding littles so that will add at least one more um to our pack but th- I mean it's just changed every aspect of my life in saying like there's nothing that I can't conquer because I was so bad when I started I would like I have such a similar story to you but it was so much fun that I wanted to commit to it I wanted to go through the hard times and and I was trained to be a competitor and I was shooting with my coach every day for years. And that was so hard. Like it was so hard to have to face all your fears and work through all that stuff. So I didn't, I didn't have the same journey as you to just get to like, be like, okay, this is so fun and no pressure. Like he put me in the fire and, <laughs> and, and I look back and I'm like, where would I have been if I hadn't have gone through that? If, if I'd never picked up a shotgun, where would I be in life? I really, I can 100% say I would not be as happy as I am and love my life as much as I do. And it's all because I picked up that shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, Richard. I mean, I, if it wasn't for my husband, Richard, to say, here, let's go do it. And you'll just figure it out. Because <laughs> I think, I guess we do that a lot. <laughs> here we go. Let's just figure it out on the way. Well, you, know? you guys do. And I think that's so cool. Like, Talk about that as a couple, you guys just, like, you just gave us a story. You traveled like four or five months together in the RV with all the dogs, town hopping to see your friends at yeah. camp. Yeah. We, and we, and we call people along the way and say, Hey, are you in town? Let's, you know, like Chad Bloom, he used to be with Pheasant Fest. He's with yes. the Grouse Society now. And he, the same thing we're going to, what is he in, not Wisconsin, but Minnesota. Minnesota. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were driving through saying, we're going to pass through where you at. He goes, come on down. You know, we parked at the RV in his driveway and, you know, went and did some fun things with him and then went on our way to, you know, South Dakota. And I'm sure that we have some friends in Nebraska that we still haven't met up with in a while. So we'll, you know, we're, we keep talking. Nebraska's hunting season is just so different than everyone else's. And so we never get there in the, like when we're supposed to get there. But I know, and it's plan- so hot. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to plan that Nebraska deal for sure. But, um, you know, we, Richard and I, I guess our journey of this couple doing everything outdoorsy together started, um, gosh, well, Reed was very small, but we used to do a 50-mile canoe, five-day canoe trip on um, on the Pecos River and the Devil's River and we did that with friends, um, some close friends, Jeff and Mary Alice, for years. And we literally have a canoe with five days of provisions. And we just float 10 miles a day, fish our asses off for bass. And we pull over, we camp, we get up, we make breakfast, and we go another 10 miles that day to finally get down on on Devils, the Devil's River, we get down to Lake Amistad, which is between you know Mexico and Texas, and then we have a fr- it's a logistical nightmare. But then we have a friend who comes in a like a motorboat, like a speed not speedboat, but you know what I'm talking about a boat with a motor because we're in a canoe, and comes up the Lake Amistad, and we all hook up the canoes to the boat, and he pulls us back to the dock where another set of friends have already moved the cars from where we put in to that place. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's a logistical nightmare, but it's so awesome. And we get out, I guess that's the Pecos, not the Devils. We haven't done it so long, but it's just amazing. The fish and the turkey and everything you see along the river that, you know, no one's ever goes down, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not very populated down there. And, that's our that's where we started our journey and I think what first time my mom my mom heard that Richard was going to take me on a canoe trip for 50 miles in five days he my mom was like oh my god is she going to make it back (laughs) (laughs) and I made it back and she was like okay and then when Reed was eight years old we took him down the Pecos River and gave him a canoe by himself no and just, way. Yeah. So Richard and I were in canoe. He was in a canoe behind us. And it's the sweetest, oh, it's the sweetest, saddest story. But um, he, um, we, we got in front of him um, a little bit because the rapids, you know, take us a little faster or the river was taking us a little faster. And we knew he was back there. And it's easier to go back to find your kid than to go forward and find your kid. So he was always behind us. Well, he lost sight of us. And when he, when he um, actually kept, we stopped and everyone stopped and he kind of floated down to us. I could tell his eyes were a little red, but he never said anything. And so um, we get down the river more. And so like, sometimes Richard would take, we have to get out because the rapids, we, you don't want to lose five days of anything in your canoe if you turn it over. So we have to like, not portage, but you get out and you walk it through some of these rapids. And so Richard would take the big canoe and Reed and I would, you know, push, take care of his canoe on the way down. But I think it was three, he was eight, let's say about 10 or 12. I think he finally said, mom, dad, he goes, y'all left me on that river. 
And I was like, no, we did not. We knew you were there. And he was like, no, mom, I cried and cried and cried. He goes, but you know what? I kept saying, I'm going to get down this river, no matter if they leave me or not. I mean, he was like, I was like, oh my God, he broke my heart. I go, oh my God, like my child thinks that we left him. And so, you know, it's, it's, I call it character building, but at the time, you know, he'd had to be deathly like afraid that he would never see us again. Oh, Uh, yeah, that was a huge uh, confidence builder for him when he finally was like, I did this all by myself. Yeah, he was eight years old and he's like, y'all put me in a canoe on a river all by myself. And I'm like, do you make it through it? Yes. I said, okay, then you can make it through anything. (laughs) Oh my God. Your parenting has always been like that. And I have so enjoyed hearing all your stories and your principles that you set, which we are very similar in how we parent our kids. (laughs) Our kids were always friends because they could relate to each other, but yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. You're just, you're all about that tough love. Suck it up, buddy. And look at him now. Yeah. There's, there's nothing he, it, I don't think he, he, he can accomplish anything, you know? Yeah. So all because just, you just, y'all raised him in the outdoors the whole time. Yeah, like, I mean, he absolutely. was there with us planting birds and running dogs and yeah. He's a re- he's actually a really good dog trainer. He, uh, when we lived in Houston, uh, we had two friends because everyone knew we had GSPs and they're just like, hey, you know, we have this pup, you know, um, will y'all train him? And Richard goes, you know, I'll, I'll be there to help, but we're going to let re, you know, we're, we're going to have retraining, whatever. And it was so fun. The first time we trained this one dog, I can't remember the name of the dog. Um, the, and we were minimal charge. I mean, we weren't going to charge these. Oh, I know what it was. So the people had this dog and they wanted it to like, dove hunt with it was a gsp and um richard's like look you know some dogs don't even know what a shot you know, hearing the shotgun hearing yeah. the sound they don't even the, the people were like we don't even know this dog's gonna hunt so richard said look we'll we'll work on it together read mine but so we're not going to charge you too much i mean we charge them like 200 bucks a month maybe you know, and um, just for the food, really for the dog food more than anything, right? And Reed got a little bit, but then when the guy picked him up and Reed took him through the whole process of how to do the steps and all that stuff, uh, I was inside and the guy was, and his wife were super excited that the dog was, you know, staying and sitting and retrieving and, and you know, bringing the bird back or, you know, the bumper back or whatever, and I mean, he was so like amazed, like, this is amazing. This is great. He went, I guess he tipped Reed. I, I guess it was like 300 bucks or something like that. And oh. Reed was just like, oh my God, mom, look, I got 300 bucks. I'm like, yeah, because the guy was so, you know, we weren't like overcharging him because we didn't, no one knows that if the dog's going to be worth anything, you know, yeah. or you can train a dog that is maybe could possibly be a potential badass, but you know, you don't know that. And so what, you know, some of the, you know, you, the train, we are not trainers. We will say right now, you know, we're people that want to help other people have a good bird dog or try to have a good bird dog, you know, and just give them a little bit of what we know. And so anyway, then I think Reed got another dog that, you know, and so he trained that one and he, he's, he's pretty good with GSPs. You know, we have those English cockers and those are my baby. So those are the yeah. ones I train. And so I've trained uh, two English cockers and it's just, they're just 
they're a joy to have. I don't. They really are. I only had one come through my kennel. And in the beginning, I was like, holy smokes. Like here, we've had short hairs and they have a reputation, right? But these cockers with their energy level before they understand what to do with it are wild. Yeah. And then it was like one day, this little dog, the light bulb went on and it was the most Mm -hmm. fun ever my mom even cried when that dog left like she would come down to the kennel just to see <laughs> that that client's dog um yeah and then it it hunted this year at prairie wildlife and they yeah. invited me to come on the hunt and I hated I could not make it because I'm like you just have so much pride when you help a family further their enjoyment of the outdoors because sure. their dogs their life like that's one thing that all of us have in common and we can relate to and we make so many friends based on the love of dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And so I get so much joy out of that too. And it's really cool for these kids to get involved in dog training. We were yeah. just this weekend at SRS. So, you know, we went to the dark side, as Kai says, like we got sucked into the retriever life after I was like short hair snob for forever. Yeah. And um, I love that world. And I'm with Reed. I really fell into the duck hunting thing. Like I'm practicing my calling and all that stuff right now. And so we went to SRS, which is like the Olympics of the hunt test world, but it's a competition. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's more like field trial um, stuff with obstacles. Like they may have logs on the, on the um, land. And there was a lot of swimming and God, these distances blew my mind. Well, this weekend they had the university competition which is high school and college kids and these kids get teamed up with a pro and they can practice before so they have the relationship with the dog they kind of understand what they're doing but they're still rookies you know like they may not even own a dog right and it was so funny because every single one of these kids was like oh my gosh already asking their parents I want one of these dogs I want one of these dogs and and some of these kids are running like the top five dogs in the country I'm like these parents I'm like FYI, that's like a $50,000 dog, you know? <laughs> and yeah, they're like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. And so it was, it was so fun to see these families just get introduced to this because of a friend recommendation. That's cool. Are they all labs? Or yeah, just- it was all labs for the yeah. SRS. It's the yeah. super retriever series. Gotcha. Yeah. Some of these babies. Yeah. <laughs> so that and that's something that Hallie Joe wants to get back into. She absolutely loves the retriever world and is um wanting to get back into hunt tests with the HRC and and maybe do some more AKC stuff. That was really where she fell into it. But she's shooting every week now and oh, she's wow. nine. And yeah. it's like, wow, like it's all about the gun fit, right? Like she got put with the right gun and it's adjusted. So her butt pad moves left and right up and down and it's amazing to see what these kids can accomplish with the right mentorship and the right tools yeah yeah absolutely yeah so who knew a good a good gun fit would change your life <laughs> i know and i tell women all the time i'm like we love accessories you got to get in the gun in the dog world because it's an endless world of accessories yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah that's well, I think we're still lacking in the Upland women's clothes world, though. Is there enough of us, though, to actually expand the market? 
I don't know. I mean, it's I, I know there's a you know the hunt. Well, it, you you see them on all these forums and stuff like that. All these women, they're like, this clothes, these these fit awful. These fit awful. These are awful. We you know they're all for sale. You know because we're all wearing trying to wear men's camo. It doesn't really fit us. You know, and our body types are so crazy compared to men's body types. Yeah. You know, especially I mean, for you because you are four ten. Like you're legit yeah. uh, these tiniest. Yeah. spitball I've ever met in my life like spitfire like you know you come dynamite in a little bitty package yeah well that it's it's hard to put dynamite in some some men's uh, camo clothes too <laughs> but yeah so I don't know I I just think you know there's you know pros they they have a good clothing line uh good camo and I'm saying there's lots of I I think I have 10 pairs of upland pants and I can destroy a pair of upland pants. Oh so yeah. I mean, destroy them. And there's and, nothing better than just a good custom pair of, um, chaps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I took a pair of chaps. What is that brand? And I actually put those, I'll think of the name. Uh, Dan's Dan's makes some to fit you. No, but they're um, dog on it. It's it's a waterproof chap. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, I literally took their chaps because I'm wearing one. I'm wearing a pair of pants, right? My open pants. Then you put chaps on top of it or something. And I was just like, no, I'm going to take these pants because I love these these um, this one pair of open pants I have. And I took the chaps to a seamstress and said, put that material on where the, where the open pants, you know, the yeah. rough material is. I, best pair of pants I own is the ones I make. <laughs> it's the ones that I'm like, and I love this material because you cannot, you cannot tear it. You cannot scrape it. It's waterproof. Uh, it, it's not very bendable, but it is, it's, it's, I'll think of the darn name of those chaps in a minute. But anyway, if we could, if I could design a pair of women's up on pants that fit like a glove and then have the durability. But then again, I don't want to sound snooty. But I don't know if anyone upland hunts as much as I do. <laughs> I know, I know. And that was the thing that I ran into is that there was stuff that we love wearing to our events, right? Yeah. But then when it was when I was dog training all day long and then in the grouse woods and like legit out there, not just plantation hunting, it was very difficult to find gear that would stand up to that standard for long periods of time right now turkey hunting this year i wore bandits new gear that they just came out with for the ladies mm-hmm. love these pants they were lightweight they were stretchy they were form-fitting i felt feminine i you know i i really loved them they were so comfortable because i'm not a very good turkey hunter being <laughs> a hunter you know like we don't we don't sit still very much you know so um, that's one thing that like, if I get sitting down and then things start like the layers don't lay right and then you start getting itchy and twitchy or, you know, something gets creased or something and then you just, that's all you can think about. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I really actually enjoyed those pants a lot. JC came home and she was like, I, she actually went turkey hunting with Schaefer. She was like, I need to borrow your turkey gear. I said, oh, heck to the no. Like, I love these clothes and I'm not chancing you taking these off to college and being like, I'm sorry, I forgot, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so so yeah th- those were my favorite the banded the banded stuff and i wear all that for um waterfowl too yeah yeah look some up then for sure but, uh, but they haven't come out with a ladies pair of upland pants yeah i mean there's like i said there's upland pants out there but it just I, like i said i can rip them up in in a season like literally a season and i feel most elegant with mckenna quinn pants but oh, they're beautiful, but I, I did rip my body. crotch crawling <laughs> in the back of my truck to switch my guns in my toolbox. And we were filming this hunt. It was at the, you were there. It was at the Georgia Quail Invitational. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we just didn't get in the same group, you know? Yeah. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, oh my heavens. I cannot believe this just happened. So the duct tape came out. But what did you say? You, you they, I was you climbing up in the back of my truck, you know, like I hit the tire. I was going to swing my leg over the side of the back uh-huh. so that I could switch my gun. Okay. And I totally just ripped the whole like butt crotch oh. all the way right out of my pants when I swung my leg up. And I'm like, well, great. Like this photo, she just turned into something else. You know, like this was fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, those pants, they're super cool. But I can't get my 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 squatty ass little butt in the big butt. In the <laughs> thing. I know that's what I told Amber. I was like, not everybody has a perfect figure like you. I know they, they're for skinny girls for sure, <laughs> and, and I'm not skinny, so I'm like, it is, it's not going. My one leg won't even go through. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, there's so- a couple of them like that, but they're just like I said, they're just they're they're great pants. But they're just there. There's just so many different figures in the world, I guess. And and really, like you just you just have to go with what works for you. And yeah. that's what I tell women all the time. But you know, like we both came and started in the man's world. Well, my biggest fear wasn't what I looked like. I wanted to make sure I didn't really care what I looked like. I wanted <laughs> to make sure that I knew what I was supposed to know, so I didn't look stupid. Right. <laughs> but when you get a group of women together. It's totally different. If they feel like they look the part, then their confidence raises for them to learn how to do something well. And that was a big learning curve for me because it wasn't the way I was raised, you know? And so I was like, I just didn't understand there was this big disconnect. And so, um, so now I'm like, okay, well, let's just, let's just preach that message. Like come as you are. It's like church, right? Come as you are and we'll get you set up once you get here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and like the women's events that I have, they're like, well, what do we wear? Um, I'm wearing a skirt and flip-flops. I'm <laughs> like, and a shirt, like a, maybe it is an upland shirt because it's cute and it's got the little patch. That's what, that's how I dress. Sporting clothes, same thing. I wear skirt and flip-flops, so, you know, yeah. high flip-flops at that, not little flat ones. And that's people laugh at me. You're always hunting, you're shooting in heels. I'm like, well, that's what makes me comfortable. You know, you do what makes you comfortable. But I say come, however, you know, you don't have to have the the dewberry uh, boots and tights and, you know, just to just to come out and shoot. But if that makes you feel good and you look good and you're excited about your outfit, bring it. Bring, bring it all it. you want. Bring yeah. your confidence with you know whatever that may be that's how i am too i'm like i just want you to leave wanting to come back yeah yeah 
And as and if they had like this last event, they had the best time and they were just like, oh, my gosh, we need to do it again. And I'm like, OK, we'll do it again. But, you know, you know, when it's a one man, maybe two man show organizing it all, it's you, you need an army for some of those things to, to make them run smooth. So people do want to come back, you know. Yeah, that is so true. But it's fun. And I have really enjoyed watching you like trailblaze the Houston area women's groups and the fundraising and the outreach that, I mean, you literally took women on the wing and knocked it out of the park. And it's super encouraging for me. And I'm super excited to get back into it. And you guys always send me invitations and I never get to Texas, but I appreciate you keeping me informed of what's going on. And I really do want to make it out there and hang out with you and Richard and all the laughs and just the fun and the care everything that you guys bring to the uplands is super special. Yeah, we enjoy it. And we're going to keep doing until we can't walk anymore. Oh, well, if you guys, anybody listening wants to get plugged in or you have a female um, that you would like to introduce to this group, Patricia is the go-to person to help um, anybody in the in the Texas area get plugged into a group that uh, is specific for women, whether it be clays or hunting circle. So how can people find you, Patricia? Well, we, um, couple ways, I guess, um, Texas women on the wing quell forever is, um, on Facebook Texwell underscore QF is on Instagram. Um, I, my personal at Patricia Kaiser, you know, uh, just, or Patricia Kaiser, K Y Z A R on Facebook, you know, any way you can find, I'll, I'll reach out to you and point you in the right direction. But the text wow is the one that uh, Texas women on the wing quell forever is what we use to, you know, post our events and get people. Um, some ladies are like, Hey, I've never shot before. Or we post events where, you, you know, you can find it. So at other people's events, not just art events, but, you know, right. other women events or other fun things that, you know, Safari club does a bunch of good, gazelles does events so we post that stuff on there just so you know you can find what's going on in the area not just well, what we do i'm very involved with sci i found my home there i love my sci family so much and i would love for you and richard to join us sometimes at our sci events yeah that would sound that would be cool yeah hey, so i'll have, be posted on that yeah have mobile home will travel Yay! Thank you for spending this hour with me this morning. It was so good to see your face and catch up. Please give your family big hugs for me. We'll do it. Love you too. Bye. Bye Papa gave daddy and daddy